The internet is a big dumpster. Tonight's the night. I'm gonna go on a bender. I'm gonna get so high that I won't remember. I had a bottle of gin and a fat bag of weed. I'm gonna get my head right. I've got everything I need where we'll be drinking. We'll be getting high. I'm gonna get my buzz on this Friday Down Ballot, everybody. We do the show live every Friday 
from eight to about nine. And then I do a little or a lot of post game. Uh, if you're checking this out on the podcast version of the show, head on over to twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and give us a follow. There's all kind of great shit going on here now, seven days a week. I'm producer Dave, and you can find me a damn near anywhere. Who are you, sir? This is the councilman. As always, you can find me at T-H-E underscore councilman on Twitter and Hansel Man on Facebook. That's my philosopher personality. So <laughs> be, be prepared if you if you friend me there. Um, yeah, and you can also uh, check me out on the contact page on the echoplexmedia.com website. And please check out not only Down Ballot every Friday at 8 p.m. on twitch.tv, but check out all of the shows. We're streaming seven days a week, and Producer Dave can tell you all about what's happening this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so tonight after Down Ballot, we'll do the post game. I'll do some Cope Cringe. Take a look at links from the chat. Maybe uh, if somebody feels their oats and gets mad at me, they can join me via Discord. But uh, Saturday nights, we do an open panel. It's uh, focused around content creators. So if you're out there and you're a content creator and you'd like to join, it's super easy. You can just check out the post on our website about it or just go to echoplexmedia.com slash panel. You can find out how to join the panel for our uh, uh, Saturday night content creator kind of open panel. That's eh, 7.30 or 8 to about a little before 10, 10 p.m. Pacific. We switch on over to the conduit and I play some breaks or some house music until, I don't know, until I get bored or until like all the people on the conduit leave. And then uh, Sunday, Sunday morning, we got the uh, Humanist Community Silicon Valley uh, Sunday Forum. That's uh, hosted by our very own historian, Matt. Um, don't know what's going on this week, but that's at 11 a.m. Pacific. It's a great place to chill and hang out while you have your breakfast or whatever. And of course, Sunday night, we got the Plex at 7 p.m. Pacific. Doc, it's already looking pretty good. And uh, the re- for the rest of our shows, you're just going to have to like figure it out over the course of the week. Because I feel like if I just go over all the shows at the beginning of this show every time, it'll suck. So what is right, Down Ballot? Well, and how did, we, how did we come to be doing this, Councilman? Uh, well, yeah, a little recap for those of you who are, are new to the down ballot. So um, this actually sprung out of the Sunday, the big Sunday show um, a couple years back. Uh, we would consistently get into some really interesting local stories um, early on on the, on the big show. And it just got to be we'd talk about them so much we didn't get to all the other fun shit that was happening nationwide. So we decided uh, the good wife and, and I and producer Dave and uh, occasional guests would break off and uh, do an occasional at first and now weekly uh, recap and look at what's going on in our little local scene here in the Bay Area and the South Bay, uh, South San Francisco Bay Area region specifically. Um, and not that it's because we want, you know, any of our re- watchers and listeners to be bored with the news <laughs> here when they're living halfway around the world, but just to prove that all, all politics and all news and all derp is indeed local. So we think that uh, we try to find stories that uh, will entertain you no matter if you live here or not, but they definitely have a little more resonance if you do live in these parts and you know your way around. So, um, yeah, and conversely, re- there's a, another show that spun off of the Plex, but for an entirely different reason. We went, we do Wednesday night, we do uh, the Intellectual Dollar Tree, and that spun off of the Plex because people got sick of Jordan Peterson. <laughs> exactly. Or maybe it was just they got sick of listening to HK and uh, go off on a, on a tangent. Um, but we're really happy to be here and we're really happy to have, um, all of you listener and viewer out there, um, who are, who are uh, keeping tabs on us. And we also tend to follow along with stories and track stories that aren't getting enough attention, um, out there. So, uh, feel, you know, make sure you listen every week and tune in every week on Twitch because, uh, we're going to be tracking things and you might miss a key component of the story. Um, so, and, uh, occasionally we have some fun interviews and, and guests, um, so you should certainly tune in and check out all the old, uh, all the archive shows on the Echoplex Media website and wherever you get your podcasts. 
Yeah, and if you're listening to this for the first time, make sure you do subscribe to this on your podcatcher of choice. And just Please type see. Echoplex Media into your podcatcher. See if anything else that grabs your eye. Especially Local Love. We just brought that back. It's in full force. We're doing a full panel. We had Curtis from Monkey. We had John nice. Renna. We had Very Chip nice. DeVille. We had Juan Ooh. Maserati. We had me and we had the Media Wench last, uh, this past Tuesday. It was a was great that show. One tu- that was one Tuesday. Yeah. It was just one show. I thought that was like the last month you were going to say. That's a, no. that's a fantastic show. We just do an open panel now and it's so long as so long as it doesn't get too out of hand, we just let anybody join like in the middle of the show. That's beautiful. Excellent. Yeah. Well, con- congrats on that. If we were more that. popular, that would be a problem, but we're not that popular locally and we're not that popular internationally yet. So it's, it's, all, it's all good in the hood. Um, just one more time, big shout out to the people that are doing OBS Ninja. This is like the best remote platform we've used. I mean, as the as the other end user, I've used it on somebody else's show. It was pretty good, but as the person in control of it here, it's just amazing. It's there's so much control and so many different things I can do with it. It uses so much less CPU resources than doing like a screen capture of Skype. It's just been great. And so the and they do that they do it over there for free. They take donations. And if anybody out there is like a software engineer of any kind and has some free time. Maybe uh, jump onto their GitHub and see if you can't help them out with that. Uh, because they always have little bug reports and shit to fix, just like any other piece of software. Nice. One of these days we'll have to do an entire show about how good this show looks. <laughs> yeah, the video is much better so long as people's connections are solid. Right. As long as my audio keeps coming through whenever my face starts going like this, um, we'll be okay. So leading off tonight, we have, of course, stuff about COVID and the local restrictions. Of course, uh, we're going go to go. We're going to go to two like kind of bougie areas of the Bay Area. I'd say we, we're going to start off in Pacifica, and of course, it's a fucking yoga studio. Is it artisan yoga? <sighs> it's fucking artisan yoga. I bet there's a cupcake fucking shop next to it. <laughs> More than likely, so you can do your yoga and then go get a cupcake. That's super healthy. So this story comes from NBC Bay Area, and it looks like the local yoga sh- yoga shop got fucking shut down by the man. Super bummer. After months of openly defying the county health order, classes at Pacifica Beach Yoga are all canceled and the doors are locked. San Mateo County took the owner to court, telling a judge he'd been holding maskless classes indoors for months. He closed his doors, but remains defiant. How many people have I put in those ICU beds? How many well, we don't know. left my studio permeating with the COVID virus? Zero. Thomas Antoon argues there is no proof that anyone's ever gotten sick from a yoga class at his studio. He also says he is not against people wearing a mask, but cannot legally force customers to do it. I asked San Mateo County Board of Supervisors President David Canapa if the county had evidence of anyone contracting the virus there. First of all, I, I don't know the answer to that. But Canapa argues the health orders <laughs> are not arbitrary. That's awful quote. And business restrictions are the most effective <laughs> way to stop the spread. You created a health order <coughs> that's based in science and data. And for someone to have the audacity um, after we've tried to educate them, after we find them, and basically is, you know, thumbing their nose at the county, we need to make sure uh, that we take the appropriate action. According to Canapa, this is the first time the county sued a business to force its closure under the health order. But Antoon says he needs to be open for his business to survive. He also argues his studio is an essential business, telling us you need exercise for your physical and mental well-being. I have people with arthritis, neuropathy, uh, all kinds of mental health issues, depression. 
Antoon says he closed his business yesterday as ordered, but he now plans on connecting with a social activist and figuring out his next move. Anusha Rasta, <laughs> NBC Bay Area News. A social activist? <laughs> he means, that's very, very he means somebody that does fucking uh, Facebook Live videos, probably, right? <laughs> right. An influencer, an influenza of some sort. An influenza of some sort. Uh, this isn't just, this isn't the flu, buddy. Fake news. Yeah, seriously. Um, well, very interesting. Um, I, I guess this this falls in line. We're going to talk about it a little later with the Calvary Church, but this kind of falls in line with the the my take on you know um, allowing folks to worship and and to to you know pray to their God and and, and do their thing spiritually. It, it it's similar to that. It's like you can't. I, I understand you can't maybe create a room at home that's like 180 degrees or whatever this this hot yoga shit is, but. You know, you can exercise at home. You can meditate at home. You could even Zoom with your yoga instructor at home and get like the coaching that you would normally get at a yoga studio, right? But to say that you can't like worship your God at, uh, in your own way at home safely, that you can't exercise and get your, you know, your physical well-being taken care of, you know, at home, um, it's just ridiculous. I, I see so many, <laughs> so many more people. It's great walking and getting out and jogging and using our, you know, local school tracks in the neighborhood. Right? It's fantastic to see people doing that. But there's, I think there's a lot of other people who just don't know what to do with themselves because they can't go to the gym. Yeah, um, and it's just always interesting that it's, you know, in this case, it's like it's because of, of course, it's a yoga studio, right? It's like, it's like um, just a place where like upper middle class white people go to like be woke or whatever i don't know if woke's like the right word there but to be like spiritually enriched or some shit like that you know it's like yeah it's just a bizarre it's a bizarre thing like there's nothing wrong with yoga people should stretch more i should stretch more uh, my mom does yoga via zoom and uh she uh for christmas she bought the yoga lady who's like a volunteer at the senior center over in fremont she bought her a nice microphone so that she sounds better on her little zoom things that's nice i mean i to me it's i don't begrudge any you know type of exercise yoga seems like a perfectly fine tradition i it just always at least low uh, around these parts it always seemed like a woke exercise or something <laughs> or like a woke gym go to, let's go to yoga let's go do pilates um because of that very thing like the it's more the people who are doing it rather than the actual practice itself they're uh, you know i think uh shaman and and you know buddhist monks practice yoga right so um it's very spiritual I just don't think that folks are doing it for that reason here. I think you're right. They're doing it to uh, make sure people see their tight asses. Um, I mean, in in public and in, in pants, they can so they can wear tight pants in public and not and or they can wear pajamas in public and not have to explain themselves. I mean, that's the best part, actually. It's I mean, it's not so bad, honestly, from from the outside perspective in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's it's given more permission for for people to be a little more lax in their their public attire which i don't know if is good or bad i don't necessarily need to see like the crack of your ass you know when we're just walking down the street and i'm going to get lunch um depending on who you are i guess but whatever that's that's not here nor there I, i'm we'll see we'll see what happens here i think this is another this is a case where the county is like trying to you know single this guy out and make an example and he's walking right into it and ready to keep making himself a bigger example so they'll probably just keep coming after him much like they're coming after the um uh, they're going to come after these restaurants that are about to file a lawsuit against this, against the the governor. That's really going to help things, I think. Well, you know, going from one sort of well-to-do part of the Bay Area to another, this next story is about wine country restaurants. They're going to file a lawsuit against the governor, Governor Gavin Newsom, and the uh, California health officer, which seems like a productive way to deal with the pandemic. 
I'd say so. Restaurants are suing Governor Newsom because they want to reopen. They say they're being unfairly targeted by the COVID rules. Crown Force Will Tran is live in Napa County with more on the lawsuit. Will? Doria, see right behind me, this is part of the equipment at this one particular location. This is at Quilt and Company. That's one of the restaurants that is suing Governor Gavin Newsom. Altogether, about 50 restaurants in Napa and Sonoma counties, including tasting rooms and wineries. They spent so much money collectively doing this, following his orders for outdoor dining when things started to resume and they said they were just dedicated to making sure that everybody was safe and then all of a sudden on December 3rd Napa County fell into the purple tier and outdoor dining was banned at that time and they say in essence the rug was pulled from underneath them and they are losing money as we speak and that is why they are suing Governor Gavin Newsom claiming there is no scientific data that the governor has not shown any of the restaurants not just here but anywhere that COVID-19 spreads faster outdoors than it does indoors, say, at the box stores. And they point to the box stores as, why are they open when you can walk into the box store and probably see a lot of violations there, but they can't even do outdoor dining. So take a look at your screen. This is the Wine Country Coalition, and they are the ones suing Governor Newsom. They say, we are dedicated to protecting our employees and customers' health and welfare, and we have collectively and continuously invested millions of dollars to be able to serve our customers safely. And if you're wondering how come equipment altogether costs millions of dollars, well, we've told you on Cron 4 Morning News several times, it's not just the equipment, but it's also the permits that they had to get from the, uh, the state to do outdoor dining, and they paid for that, and they can't even do outdoor dining. Now, the governor, through a spokesman did not say what scientific data, once again, that shows outdoor dining is dangerous, but they did say they look forward to their day in court. Back to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Will. Time now is 9.10. And come- so, first of all, my problem with that is the thing they showed was just an inside that they put on the fucking street. Correct. I mean, that's been mo- that's a lot of what uh, the outdoor dining has been, especially in the winter, right? When it's it's but cold out. The good wife and I went to uh, Napa. I'll, I'll admit it <laughs> uh, for uh, her birthday for just a, for a weekend with uh, and did some outdoor dining ourselves and did not get the Rona. They were very. They, I, we have to I actually have to say all the restaurants and everyone was very safe there. Um, almost everyone was wearing masks um, throughout on the sidewalk, even the little kids. So I'm very impressed with that. Um, but yeah, the, the places we went, at least the nice restaurant we went to, the restaurant was closed and, but it was basically like, yeah, they built an outdoor restaurant on like the, the gravel, you know, um, yard area. Right. And we were, we were seated at a table, table, just like we were indoors, almost completely enclosed except for one end of the, the tent. Um, and then they had, you know, heat lamps and, uh, heat vents just blowing, air circulating air so that if anyone was coughing up the rona it was probably getting on everyone um so you know i I can't say it was it was any safer than um being at home to be honest with you or being out at at safeway or costco um but we didn't get the rona so yeah i just think that like i've had i we did outdoor i met my dad for lunch outside a couple times over here in my neighborhood when we were allowed to outdoor dine we didn't go anywhere in a tent 
but the weather was kind of nice. We were just sitting out in front of La Pizzeria. Yeah, I think we're drinking a beer. We're in a we're in a good you know we're privileged to be in a really nice climate where it was freaking seventy two degrees a couple days ago in January. Sorry, everyone else, Um, except for y'all in Australia who watch because it's freaking summer there right now. So you guys are having a great time. Probably hot Um, balls in some parts. Hot as balls, probably yeah, hot as balls. Um, But yeah, uh, it (laughs) uh, I I. It's it's strange. Like, I, I have strange vibes about this because yes, I, f- I actually feel a lot for the employees and the just the whole industry. And there's just so many people whose lives depend on um, the hospitality industry across the state, um, and especially in a place like Napa or the wine country, where that's I mean that's really their economy. Um, right. You're so either too rich to have to work there, or you work basically in the wine industry, or you commute to right. San Francisco or something. Right. So I don't feel at all for the people who who like would normally go eat at these places. I do feel a lot for the people that serve them. So, um, and the, and the business owners, because my, I also have, you know, uh, restaurateurs in my family. It's an, it's a unrelenting, unforgiving business. You do it because you absolutely love to do it. Um, but the margins are very, very thin. So something like this is just, it's crushing. If you, if you're just a single restaurant owner, you're probably done by now. Um, cause there's just no, I can't see a way that non-chain or fran- you know, restaurants, franchise restaurants survive um, this right now. Yeah, I have they no idea why pick. we didn't just fucking float these industries, honestly. Like why Yeah. Like, like yeah. between between restaurants and and like nightlife, I mean uh, San Jose, for example, you know, let's kind of bring it back home. San Jose downtown had some restaurants, but it wasn't a destination in the first place. A couple good mm-hmm. places there. N- n- not gonna lie. There's that uh fucking um that fucking Mediterranean place right at a fucking second and or first and second in Santa Clara. Super yeah. good. And, um, you know, there's a couple favorites down there, like, um, the spaghetti factories there. Um, the, the, the old spaghetti factory, that little taqueria between fucking max and splash. is hella good. And I bet that's not going to survive. Um, that little, that little, uh, Chinese restaurant, that lady Lucy that runs that place. She didn't have no big fucking pile of cash to keep a restaurant open. Like, nope. and, and she no was savings. always so cool to the drunk people after, and that's going to be gone. Like there's mm-hmm. a place called city fish that like makes the best fish and chips I've had in the South Bay. That's going to be gone for sure. Cause it's just a little tiny restaurant, a couple great burger joints there on Santa Clara. If you start getting closer to the, um, closer to the, uh, not the courthouse city hall, like, yep. and I don't see why we didn't just fucking float these businesses. I don't understand. Like, like, I mean, I do understand kind of, cause these are all businesses. If you think about it, that are of the city and the yeah. administration, not a big fan of cities. The last administration, I would say not really They're, incentivized to keep the uh, city economies going for, you know, whatever red and blue reason we may uh, ascribe to cities and, and places, but also like there's restaurants in the country that are not going to be there anymore either. Like there's, you know, rural communities where there's a couple family owned restaurants and they're not going to make it either. Yeah. And some, in fact, some they're going to have a harder time because it's harder to drum up business, like harder to drum up like delivery business when there's, you know, there's not a lot of Uber eats going on in a, in a town of 3000 or 5,000 people. Yeah. And some cities, I mean, some small towns, a lot of them don't even support the apps anyway. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's rough. It's, it's tough out there. And this, you know, there've been some federal assistance a little bit for small businesses, right? Like, uh, paycheck protection loans and grants. Um, and the state's done a little bit and some cities are stepping up. I think Mountain View stepped up and is doing like $60 million to support local small businesses. Um, and it's great, but it's all just like drop, it's all drops in the bucket, you know, when taken in greater context. 
and think about sixty gonna... million dollars and think about just Castro Street and Mountain yeah. View and all the yeah. restaurants and what the, how much how much rent yeah. does that pay on th- on a block of fucking Castro Street? Yeah, like, just, really. Just divvy it up evenly if you wanted to and see how much how far it would go, right? Give it give give the same amount to every business in the city, right? No matter how big or small. And it's just not gonna even for the smallest business, it's not gonna go very far. So you know, it, yeah, you're right. And other nations, as we've seen, have completely bailed out, and not just—I not, don't want to say bailed out, but they've just supported. They've just said, "Here we go. We we print the money, you know." So, guess what? Everything's frozen, right? You don't owe rent, or if you owe rent, we're going to pay it for you. You don't owe taxes for this or whatever payroll taxes, and if you do, we'll pay it for you, right? Hundred percent. And it's not this like tug of war over. Let's give people. $600 should we give them $2,000 like people are getting $2,000 a month in some of these other countries all of them everyone of, um, of a certain you know who fits everyone who fits the um, the guidelines is getting $2,000 a month in some countries um, well, you have to think about in Europe they don't control their currency they use the euro and so <clears throat> you know it's a little tougher for say Italy to prop up businesses although they go to the they're doing it though well if they go to the you know the european union commission maybe the european union commission is a little more a little more inclined to do that too though so yeah no some of, some of these countries are doing like are the ones that are doing it like you know germany and others um who've who've gone through some real serious lockdowns just like us so um they're also handling the disease a lot better so they're going to you know they're able to open up um a lot more readily than than our economy is um so it, it's just something we're going to have to i think we're going to have to get a handle on the virus just as quickly as figuring out, you know, how to get money into these people's pockets. Cause the sooner we can, you know, if we can fix the virus, if we can not fix the virus, if we can, you know, get to the other side of the hill, whatever you want to call it, whatever analogy you want to go for, the sooner we can get there, it's going to benefit everyone. And it'll get us, it will get us on our way back. Um, but we do need to figure out a way to um, help the folks who just aren't going to make it through now, uh, or are just barely struggling to make it through now. And it was already bad for a lot of folks before all this shit. So it's good that it's happening, but it's it's like, come on, there's got to be a sense of urgency, especially now that the chief well, like, is gone. For example, if <clears throat> say, let's just say the town I live in, right? If half the bars and restaurants on the on the strip don't make it, then why the fuck would anybody want to live here? It's it's a it's a spiral. It's a death spiral. You know, um, just like they they say it's a chicken and an egg thing in the development world in in like urban planning. You know, you ask well. You know, why would a business come to this neighborhood? There's nothing there. And they're like, well, okay, we'll, we'll build things for people to live in, spaces for people to live in and work in. And therefore, there will be people there and then businesses will come there and serve these people. But why would the people move there in the first place if there's nothing there, right? Um, no one wants to move to place someplace where there's a promise of something in the future, but nothing there right now. So it's like, or, it's a chicken and egg. Or like, like I said, if the, you know, you can, um, if you want to work, and live in this area, the desirable places are just going to stop being desirable. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, the people who are here already who are spending shit tons of, on rent, right? Like us, uh, or mortgages, um, you know, are uh, not going to be as appealing anymore. Um, because you can, you can live other places and have more to do, or at least the same amount of shit to do, um, without spending through the nose to, to live there and you might even find better better jobs that pay <laughs> that pay more right um, I'm, I'm just wondering like <clears throat> san jose is going to be mostly fine because they haven't really focused on entertainment but like i said man 
Well, he said, man, the police leave you alone when you're walking home drunk from the avenue here because they know that's they know where their fucking paycheck comes from. And, <clears throat> you know, that's a like kind of a weird privileged thing to say, I suppose. But, you know, like, no, it's true. When <clears throat> when a city's tax base <clears throat> is a small downtown area and then a lot of the businesses go away, then the city doesn't have money and the city isn't as good anymore. They're not able to provide the services like all kinds of shit's going to go wrong here. And, yeah. um, you know, the business owners I know have been in the game long enough and have like enough assets. Like the one who I know is like, I'm not worried about it. He's like, I own the building. He's like, I own the building. My restaurant is in. I, but then he's like on the flip side, I own buildings that other restaurants are in and I've become friends with my tenants and I'm not going to pull their business out from under them. And so, <clears throat> you know, in this case, the shit rolls uphill and my, my, my friend's going to lose a bunch of money. But in every other case that I've, you know, I can even imagine the shit's going to roll downhill. And it is, it's absolutely rolling straight down the fucking hill, right at people at the very bottom. Um, and in San Jose, it's, it's a little, it's, it's strange because, um, I think they very much have wanted to, and have always strived to make hospitality and entertainment down the downtown, you know, um, a big piece of their economic picture. And it's, it's, it's come and gone. It's fluctuated. It's, it's had its hits and misses. Um, this is certainly not helping things by any means, but San Jose is also in a really tough position because they just don't have revenue to begin with. They have a really bad um, tax structure to begin with because we're such a bedroom community. Um, and you've got a ton of businesses downtown who are that um, that are organized and have their own association, their own nonprofit, their own advocacy groups, and they're hella pissed. They they want you know they they want the city to do more. They want um, everyone to do more. To to they want to be seen, right? <laughs> because like you, you said, like it's it you know a lot of the places we know are those, those holes in the wall. And then there's these, uh, but there's a huge contingent of businesses down there that are organized and have money and have the ability to, I think maybe to weather the storm, but also to, to raise hell about it. And they might be the, the loudest, the loudest voices. They might be the ones that get the support and the relief. And it's the, it's the nice lady at the Chinese restaurant that helps the drunks after hours, after they get kicked out of the bars, right at two o'clock, well, you know, like a quick example, they get screwed. Like on Post Street, Splash is going to make it, 55 South is going to make it, and Max probably isn't. It's just that simple. Yeah, it's the reality. <clears throat> like very, 55 South, true. the the guy the guy who owns it uh, is uh, a wealthy person. Uh, Splash, be, through their um, their gay clubs here and in Sacramento, they good. But then yeah. Max was like the kind of little, little, little family hangout in that little gayborhood there. And that's gone. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see, there's no way that fucking bar comes back in its current form. Um, yeah. And there's so, and there's so many of those right now. Um, go down, go down the street and see it. They're already closing. They're already shuttering down. Ah, uh, uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see. And I, again, I feel really, I feel for those, um, the service employees up there cause they're, they're just trying to make it by best they can. And, oh yeah, and we uh, didn't even get to the employees, the people who wait like wait tables, like they're I mean they're, they're able to get unemployment and stuff, but then like their restaurants gone and there's going to be less work for the same amount of people if those people were able to stay where they were at. Right. And unemployment, they've, you know, they've dried it up, they've they've reduced it and it's also it's, it's contingent on how much you've put in too. So if you're working a shit minimum wage job, you don't have a whole lot of money saved up in unemployment too, right? So it's not like not as though you're getting anywhere near what you were getting paid at your shit job with, you know, minimum wage and tips, you know, before the Rona, you're probably getting just enough to like pay the electric bill or something now, um, which you still got to pay. But um, it's, you know, <laughs> I, I, 
the folks the folks that come to these restaurants and and, and eat there probably have no earthly concept of what the people that are serving them are going through and not even just the people as i mean and the people that are serving them directly that they have contact with are the they're the ones who are in a, in a good way in these places most often than more often than not like think about the the folks in the kitchen the dishwashers the cooks the line cooks the people uh, the you know every, everyone who works behind the scenes you don't see right and it's usually you know uh people of color women immigrants um you know, people who are not who are usually not top of the totem pole already, or the, the lowest on the pole already, um, and uh, it's it's they're they're going to work every day, risking their health, um, and they're getting screwed. <laughs> yeah, so. I you know hopefully hopefully things hopefully hopefully that vaccine rollout goes a little better than we had planned, and things start to come back. But I, I feel kind of. Like, I feel real bad for the people who are, you know, like I said, there's going to be the same amount of people that want to work in restaurants and there's just going to be less restaurants. Yeah. Well, at least we have a fucking plan now. We have a a nationwide, uh, you know, plan getting implemented, uh, which we did not before. So that, um, that'll help things a little bit, I think. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful it's going to take a a while, but I'm hopeful that we'll be, um, we'll be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel at some point in the near future. You know, I also, I'm also a little bit curious to see, like, there's going to be a, well, we're already seeing it. There's going to be a a significant drop in the the cost to lease commercial space coming, coming up. So there's some chance that new, newer, younger players might get into this, into, you know, everything from restaurants to, you know, bars and clubs and entertainment. But the flip side of that is I just feel like maybe Amazon's just going to open a bar in my neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, yeah. There's actually some stories out there. They're not necessarily, you know, derpy enough for us, but um, uh, for this show. But there's a lot of small businesses um and restaurants trying to open, and and uh, a lot of small entrepreneurs uh, bringing new new uh, spaces onto the market now. Um, in the middle of this, um, including a spot down the street from our place, um, that's turning into a nice little looking Mexican restaurant. Um, so uh, yeah, more than likely that you're going to see, you might see a return of uh micro entrepreneurialism um all across the country um and rents going down actually san francisco housing rent uh, housing down almost 40 percent yeah yeah so i'm, I'm thinking out. i'm thinking hmm the mission's looking awful nice right <laughs> now if housing prices start to go down like sales prices start to go down like that you should definitely invest um because you'll never see another opportunity like that and it just goes up usually um wealth baby wealth Speaking of wealth, winners and losers. We go to winners and losers. Yeah. All right. Well, um, it's all losers this week, as you can imagine. Um, but winners might just be us on this first story. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna stay in, we're gonna stay in uh, wine country. Um, there's a gentleman who runs. Uh, I think it's an auto detail business in Napa. I think I've even passed by this on our our trip. I seem to remember it. Um, who's just you know your average dude, well liked in the community, seemed like a lovely guy. And then just got, he got arrested and suddenly all this stuff started to unravel and it just became a very interesting story. And this, this one escalates pretty quickly, but you have to watch the full clip to sort of see it play out. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a Dateline NBC kind of a thing. Yeah. What I was going to say is arrested is a bit of an understatement. It seems like he got raided by the fucking bomb squad. That's pretty much what happened. Yes. And they <laughs> found right. some, and they found some shit and it, and then they found more shit and then they kept finding shit. It's, it's 
and they're and they still there's still stuff they don't know but let's i'll let's let the story speak for itself and hopefully it's person it's, ian oh, nice. uh, he is a napping you know what i mean he is one of us everyone in this community of, of auto shops of was shocked when napa sheriffs and bomb squad raided british auto repair and arrested owner ian benjamin rogers never heard anything bad or off color about him you know he seemed to be pretty cheerful guy my employee saw him you know being handcuffed and taken away this is rogers booking photo friday the 44 year old authorities say had more than 50 guns including automatic weapons and assault rifles plus explosives and gunpowder hello hello <laughs> channel two People inside his locked business would not comment. On his Facebook page, what photos remain show Rogers with friends and sports cars, also sporting a German military tattoo regarded as pro-Nazi. Previous photos, now removed, featured guns and swords, plus messages of support for President Trump and opposition to Democrats and some Republicans. In his post, he said they were stabbing Trump in the back. Staff at the local newspaper looked into Rogers all weekend. Their offices happened to back up to his shop, so the bomb squad action was in full view. It was detonations. They had taken t old tires from the side of the building, had created a bunker. A robot handling explosives, including five pipe bombs. At one point, the last pop was a bang. And with that, it ended. Rogers has a previous arrest, which the sheriff's department won't detail. His Before he bleached his hair. Started at $100,000, then shot to $5 million. And that spoke volumes as to what they may have discovered. I think we only know the tip of the iceberg, and I don't know what size that iceberg is. Neighboring employees <laughs> don't know what to think. I had no idea. You know, it was just always a professional, uh, you know, sending in parts over when he needed one worker right across the street calls it tragic is there anyone who could have reached out and you know befriended him to a point where this may not have occurred and that was deborah villalone reporting she also tells us that the sheriff's office got a tip about those weapons at the home but authorities wouldn't confirm if the raid had anything to do with the upcoming inauguration or threatened violence both state and federal officials are now investigating. Five million dollar bail. That's pretty hefty, I'd say. You got five million dollars sitting around? I mean, you could. The question is, do you have half of a million dollars sitting around, right? Right. Or half of half of a million dollars sitting around. Um, I, I'd love, I absolutely love. Uh, he was such a nice man. He seemed like a great guy. He always picked up after his dog when they went for a walk and, you know, very, very sweet and always good to the kids. Don't they say that? But like every time, you know, a Ted Bundy or Timothy McVeigh or, you know, uh, Scott Peterson <laughs> gets busted. That's always what you hear, right? From their neighbors. They, he, was such, he seemed like such a nice person and I ne you know, never heard a bad word about him. Very friendly. Um, oh, and he happened to be a neo-Nazi serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you know what uh, you know when people are <clears throat> people think that like conspiracy theorists or like like domestic terrorist types are all going to be talking to you all the time like they do in the facebook comments but no like the these these are normal people these are your fucking your auto mechanic these are right. like th the person who lives next door to you and like 
would lend you a cup of sugar or whatever. These, yeah. it's, it's not like they're fucking, it's not like the people, people involved in this stuff are outwardly whack jobs. Although that guy had a pretty fucking clear tattoo on his arm. I'd say so. I mean, it's, it's gotta be hard not to notice at some point, but at the same time, like, like you just said, like, these are our friends and neighbors. This is your, this is the guy next door. This is the guy who has a business in adjacent to the newspaper <laughs> the local newspaper is adjacent to this guy and they're like, oh we had no idea and then we started hearing these things and uh yeah we, we looked into it's like holy shit you know this was going on right next door to the 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 newspaper headquarters um so <laughs> don't be surprised if your neighbor is a serial killer that's the moral of the story i think and just <clears throat> just like just understand that like if if this wasn't just regular people, it wouldn't be a problem. It was easily identifiable people on the fringe. Then right. there wouldn't be the kind of problem that I think there is with. Oh, with, absolutely. With extremism. So, yeah. It's, it's not all, it's not always going to be a skinhead with his shirt off and swastikas tattooed all over his face, you know, um, and his chest and his back and everywhere else, you know, dancing on a corner with signs that say, I hate all black people. Right. Like, <laughs> um, it's it's a lot more nuanced than that and it is your neighbor and frankly you know racism and white supremacy can be really insidious in that you know it can show up in people who would not even themselves you know subscribe to or think that they had any connection to white supremacy or to nazism or uh, or to racism even right they they probably think they're just you know no, normal average people who are get a little get a little squishy around the gays right um so I, I, that's the real, to me, that's the, the, the one that's going to be hardest to root out because the ones you can see like Ted Cruz, you can see Ted Cruz. You can look him in the, you know, he's, he's, he's obvious, right? Um, I'm not scared of Ted Cruz. I'm more scared of the, the ones who are hiding something. So I noticed right? they showed an image of the back of his car and it had an anti-mask sticker saying like, take I, off your mask or whatever. And right. this, <clears throat> they don't always go hand in hand, but. Ninja, who's in the chat, me always kind of say that if you scratch a, scratch a conspiracy theorist long enough, you're eventually going to sniff some other kind of extremism. <laughs> it's not going to be just, uh, you know, their anti-mask thing or whatever. It's either going to be like some kind of racist shit or some kind of like more broad Western chauvinism shit or whatever. You're never going to, unless it's just somebody who believes in Bigfoot and like smokes weed in a cabin or something like you're going to, you're going to eventually that you're going to, you're going to find more than what you initially thought. And so, you know. It was really weird that that one person was like, oh, if this person had a friend who could reach out to them. <laughs> that guy was, uh, that's a very nice neighbor, I'd say. Um, he was he was very sympathetic. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happened here because uh, that's a very uh, the very interesting piece of the story where the, the bail jumping up to $5 million um, all of a sudden, that would lead you to believe that there's, maybe there is some sort of terrorist charge or some sort of larger conspiracy happening that we don't know about yet that they've found out. Um, through their investigation so yet to be seen um but watch out for your neighbor and your auto detailer apparently so we're going to move on here this is a story we've been covering for fucking years now this is a there was a fire at a rave venue and we'll use the term rave venue loosely it was at a place they called the ghost ship uh 36 people died at a party which just seems like a weird thing to say and uh, it seems like the the saga is over, at least on the criminal side of the legal stuff for uh, the guy, Derek, who was the uh, promoter and I think the leaseholder on the space. So I think we'll just let the news fill us in on this. This is ABC7, so we had to sit through a commercial and then it 
fucking kept playing and then I anyway whatever fuck ABC7's fucking web player here here we go the court hearing was brief and held remotely with no one but attorneys, the judge, and defendant Derek Almena there. Families of the ghost ship fire victims said it was hard hearing 36 names read in succession. After each name, Almena said guilty. 36 times, he said guilty. And I was doing okay until number 16. Uh, I was far more emotional than I thought I would be. That, Tears started falling. This grieving mother said her daughter, Chelsea Faith Dolan, was an electronic music composer and DJ who ran back into the burning warehouse in December 2016 to try and save friends. During the 2019 trial, Almena, as the founder and master tenant, was accused of turning the warehouse into a deadly fire trap, inviting people to live in a space zoned for storage with no sprinklers, no exit signs, and no smoke alarms. There are no words that can convey our disappointment with this feeble plea bargain and our sorrow. Almena was jailed in June of 2017. A jury deadlocked over his guilt in 2019. There was supposed to be another trial next month, but things changed. Since last middle of last year, he got out for COVID and he's been on... Uh, ankle bracelet at home. It's almost like he's getting off scot-free. Spending a year and a half on his sofa, um, writing and drawing and uh, spending quiet time with his family is not justice. This is the ghost ship warehouse today. Accounting for time served in good behavior, Almena could potentially serve less than two more years in custody. Almena is scheduled to be sentenced on March the 8th. He's not expected to face any civil penalties. He remains under house arrest in Lake County. I'm Leslie Brinkley, ABC 7 News. That's got to be part of the deal that he he's not uh, liable for civil suit. Uh, because fucking hey, the family should sue the shit out of him. But not like he has not like he has a lot any money, right? But and that's not going to help bring their kids back either, right? I don't know. I don't. I feel. I feel like in this case, <clears throat> I feel like I don't know. It's been a long time, and he's been in custody most of that time. I don't know how much time he would have been exposed to, because these weren't charges of like murder. These, right. these were charges of like something you know i don't know exactly what they were but it was like depraved indifference like manslaughter like the, yeah. these sorts of charges that we level at people who had no intent to kill anyone you know correct yeah um so and like i said last week this so this is sort of the coda just because we did talk about this last week they, they had mentioned that they had noted he was going to file a plea which didn't know exactly what he was going to get so it looks like he's not going to get any more jail time um for pleading guilty uh it looks like 36 counts of uh of I think manslaughter. Um, I gotta say, being stuck inside in Lake County of all places, where it's like seems like I don't know, uh, seems like not fun. It, I right, all depends too. Um, it's all relative. But like I said last week, I think that I feel like th this is something you'd have to be a pretty, just completely cold and heartless person to not feel some sort of guilt in his circumstance right and the the weight of that you know i think is its own prison frankly enough so no matter where he went like he could go to fucking aruba he'd be sitting on the beach in aruba i think he'd still be feeling that and thinking about it every single day 
Well, he more or less fled Oakland due to probably, I would assume. He probably got doxxed and said, and social pressure, we'll call it, we'll call it social pressure. There you go. Cancel culture. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, um, and just, I mean, I can't put myself in his shoes necessarily, but just to, to be human in any way, you'd have, you would have to have some sort of, uh, guilt about this and some sort of regret about about this happening um but then again i don't know and because the guy doesn't seem like he's not a psychopath right he's not a serial serial killer right he's not a a he's not a murderer he's just a dude who made really bad choices and um and those choices ended up killing a lot of people um and that's just gotta that's gotta kill you more than um where you're you know where you happen to be putting your head down every night and i'm just gonna say like oakland used to have permitted parties you could get a permit for a small tiny gathering for a reasonable fee fire marshal would come through and say yes or no here's what you need to fix here's the maximum capacity we've let the police know what the maximum capacity is um or you know they're gonna go no you can't do it here and when you when you push when you push this scene underground people are willing to take larger and larger risks to go out for a a, a night of fun i'm not like saying that that this is the city of Oakland's fault for shutting down the rave scene. I'm just saying that had they not shut down the rave scene, we might not be covering this story because the promoters who wanted to put these events on might've been able to do them in safe places that were inspected by a fire marshal. Yeah. I, th- I think that's absolutely the way we should, we should go cities and counties and others um, should, should roll that way and should be more proactive and more supportive and try to find ways to, to support um, events like that. Cause it'll help the economy. Right. As we talked about, it helps the hospitality industry. <laughs> it helps, helps the entertainment industry. It gives, it gives people some place to go. Um, so that they're and it not keeps especially... drugs out of the clubs, out of the bars. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it gives, it gives a space for, it gives a place for people to go. So they're not just sitting around doing whatever, or in the case of some people like causing, you know, uh, problems or doing crimes or whatever they happen to, you know, getting into gangs right <laughs> uh it's you know it gives ever gives people an outlet too um so yeah let's let's try and be more creative about things once we're once we start bringing things back and we're going to need spaces like that people fucking desperately need um to be entertained and to to do and to dance together and to be together and to listen to music together and to share you know sweat in the air together <laughs> we need it um so hopefully that will be able to happen without too much too much more pain and death, but it's. I know for sure that I'm throwing a fucking ravey rave in San Jose somewhere after this is all over. Let's do it, man. I'm, that first uh, bike party is going to be fucking fabulous. Well, um, that's who. That's who I'm probably going to do it with. Yeah, because they That'll have be... speakers and fucking. They know the lay of the land pretty well. Might be able to help us find a the right warehouse. You know. Yeah, I think we're going to, if we get, if we can do Viva Calle again, um, the street closure, I think that would be just fucking awesome. We should just do the whole city just one day when, when we come back, just shut down the whole fucking city. Um, that would be sweet, but we'll, we'll get to planning on that. You and me, we can do, we can do some brainstorming and get a run of show going. Fuck yeah. Well, we're (laughs) going to move on to, this is Calvary Chapel. Get your shit together. This is another story we've been covering. This guy is uh, this guy who runs his Calvary Chapel. If I'm not mistaken, it's is it in the Evergreen area of San Jose? Is that right? It's actually I know it's more it's more like um, uh, Cambrian. I guess would be the best. It's 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 Willow Glen adjacent. So like cl- over in our neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Hill Hillsdale and um, 
Almaden Expressway. Okay, right, yeah, right yeah. at that intersection. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I, okay, I know where this church is. Yeah. Um, there's a Denny's. So it there. appears Sorry. to me this guy was this guy's probably grifting and raising money from people based on the fact that the city's persecuting him. I haven't been able to find anything on it, but that just means he hasn't been on Dave Rubin yet to complain. Right. He hasn't he's just been, not doing it right. Yeah, yeah. He's he's maybe not doing it right, but this guy's like just holding he's been just holding church services like with people inside without social distancing and shit. And it looks like looks like finally the fucking local government's gonna come down on this guy, it seems like. Other than just like upping his fines and not actually collecting the money. Right, right. <laughs> well, we're gonna let this story roll. This is the continuing Let's saga of the Calvary Chapel here in San Jose, California. Let's do it. Senior is joining us live tonight with what played out in the courtroom today. Andre? Well, Alex, this was a contempt hearing and two members of the church took the stand today. Outside the courthouse in San Jose Thursday evening, a massive display of support for two pastors, massive. Calvary Chapel San Jose, senior Huge. pastor Mike McClure and youth pastor Carson Atherley, who were in a Note the color of the parishioners. We know that this is a battle that's going to be won in prayer. Both are accused of repeatedly holding indoor services in spite of a county health order that prohibits such gatherings to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Honestly, what we're trying to do is just help people administer to our community like the church has always done. McClure, who says he is lawfully allowed to assemble, said his services have not contributed to the spread of the virus. He told the court his church plays a critical role in helping the community during the pandemic. Now, for their part, attorneys for the county contend that Calvary Chapel leaders are running afoul of the law purposefully holding the services as a form of protest and mm -hmm. that church leaders regularly flout the health order by allowing people attending services to congregate without face coverings. This video shows a stream of people heading indoors for a 90-minute Christmas Day service. Robert Tyler, the attorney representing the church, says Calvary Chapel San Jose's gatherings are protected under the First Amendment. It does look a little like Jordan Peterson. coronavirus is real. We understand that people need to be cautious, especially if you're older than 70. But... Uh, we have a First Amendment right in this country to gather together, to meet in person, the right to assemble. Despite the more than $1 million in fines that the church has racked up since the county began enforcing the ban on gatherings, the lead pastor shows no signs of stopping those gatherings. And I'm just asking our, our, our representatives, our, our, our judicial system in county and, and, and people, let us partner with you. Let us help. Let us serve the community like we've done in the past. Now, the judge had hoped to have the contempt case wrapped up today, but the hearing ran along a little longer than the judge expected it to. Now, to be clear, neither McClure nor Atherley are facing any jail time because of this. The judge making that clear today. Both are due back in court next week, Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Alex, back to you. All right. Hey, Andre, uh, you, you talked about the church racking up more than a million dollars in fines, which, which is just astounding to think about. But but have they been forced to pay any of that money yet or that's just what they owe? Mm -hmm. That's what they owe. And right now, because of the court proceedings that keep happening in this case, both sides are going back and forth with each other. Uh, they're not being forced to pay it at this time. Yeah, that's a that's a huge amount there to uh, have to fork over and fines. Yeah. All right, KTVU's Andre Senior yeah. live tonight. Thank you, Andre. Did you catch at the beginning of that segment the anchor's kids going off in the background <laughs> right before he kicked it to the reporter? Uh, no, I didn't. That's pretty funny though. He probably put the smackdown while the report was going on. Um, so the, there's an irony that that just hit me from this um, this segment, and 
it's the pastor you're talking about. We have a first, you know, first amendment right to worship and to assemble. And it's like, okay, yeah, you do. You have a first amendment right to start a church and, and, you know, practice whatever religion you want, but there's no first amendment right or any right to where you're going to do that. Right. And how are you going to, you know, and, and, um, and how that impacts other people. Um, you can just as easily worship at home. It's just the right to have the religion and to worship. I'm Secondly, just, this pisses me off. I'm seeing like small rural churches in poor communities, like in OBS forums, I'm in asking if they can post their GoFundMe to raise $750 for a new fucking computer so that they can run OBS and do their services with everybody staying at home. That's hot. That's and, hot. And then I see this asshole from a rich part of San Jose. Right. Like they could camera that. They probably already have the place fucking cameraed up. Oh, absolutely. They could do this in a second. It's 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 absolutely contempt. Like if they talk about like, well, he hasn't done jail time or he hasn't been threatened with jail time yet. That's exactly, they should slap him with contempt. This is absolute contempt of the court, of the process, of everything, of our government. He should be slapped with a contempt uh, charge. Um, but I, I do love that he's, he says, we have the right to assemble. It's like, you know what? Yes, actually. You have the right to assemble as you're doing right now, right? In this rally outside the courthouse to make your point right, to, to raise your voice. You absolutely do have that right to, to look like jackasses standing outside the courthouse with no masks, all you white dudes, um, you know, spewing your corona into the air. Um, that's fine. You're allowed, that's, what the, that's what the First Amendment allows you to do. It doesn't say that you can have a bunch of people break public health code orders just to come to church, right? For the sole purpose of, 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 um, of worship, right? To me, it's, it'd be the same thing as, it, it's the same thing as sports. It's the same thing as any other thing where movies, any other place where we gather as a com in community, right? You don't have a right to do that. Unfor you know, unfortunately, you don't have a constitutional right to be able to do that. Um, that's commerce, right? It's not, it's not uh, personal freedoms and rights. So the other shoe is going to drop on this one pretty soon. And I don't mean like that they're going to get what they deserve or get what, get their comeuppance. The other shoe is going to drop on this when you start seeing this guy on Tucker Carlson, you yeah. start seeing this guy on Janine Pirro, you start seeing yeah. this guy on Maria Bartiromo's show, maybe like a Dave Rubin. You start seeing, <clears throat> you start seeing him. The, I think the other side of this is going to be like a fundraiser. Like they were saying in chat that he's going to outraise that million dollars on GoFundMe by, yeah. but by claiming to be a victim. Yeah. Now it might not be GoFundMe specifically. They may kick him off because I think they kick people off for these particular kind of fundraisers. But then once GoFundMe kicks him off, he gets back on Tucker to complain about big tech censoring him. And then he can like raise money on Subscribestar or just through direct PayPal donations. And then they cut him off. And then he like lets people like send him a check and then his bank cuts him off. And now he's got to be collecting Bitcoin and all the Bitcoin bros are like, Oh, freedom. And then they give him some Bitcoin. I'm just telling you, this is the other shoe on this. That's about to drop is going to be the big grift. Yeah, I, I'm frankly, I'm surprised as you, I think that he, he hasn't hit already and he hasn't been found. I mean, this stuff's been on the news. It's on Google. It's not as though this isn't going to show up on your, your news searches nationwide. So I'm surprised that like producers from Tucker's show or from Hannity haven't found this guy already. Right. Or, or from what's her name? Uh, Jean Pirro. Absolutely. Or, or Laura Ingram. I'm surprised they haven't found this guy and had him on already. Um, so it actually tells me that their PR at the Calvary church is shitty. Because, or, <laughs> or. Or their lawyer is like, don't do a bunch of media hits while you're in this court battle. In this, and still in this hearing, right? And then save we'll it till save it till after they smack you down. Right, right. Until they say you have to pay, and then we'll go out and raise the money on. We'll raise twice as much on GoFundMe. 
you'll pay the, you'll pay the fine you'll make a big deal big give them a, give them a big check and and then thumb your nose because you've got another million dollars and you've got a book deal right uh, and i think so. that's the other shoe unless this guy's just a fucking complete idiot that's got to be the old, that's got to be the that's got to be like yeah. phase two of this right absolutely this i mean because he's not a true be- i you know i mean he's sure he believes but he's not this this isn't about jesus this isn't about <laughs> this isn't about letting people um you know come together and, and worship the lamb this is about yeah absolutely grifting and making a name for themselves otherwise why would they why would they make such a big deal out of it right you wouldn't you just wouldn't let it get to this point if it was truly about letting people worship and pray and and and, and embrace their spiritual selves and realize their spiritual selves you wouldn't let it get to this point ever and neither they, and frankly neither would neither would the government either okay you know? so they have this big lot that this church sits on correct they and could, a big parking lot they could do a couple things. I mean, during the day, sure, like a big jumbotron, nobody's going to be able to see it. But they could have the church service inside, let people stream it to their device, uh, put PA speakers outside that are like simulcasting the audio. Um, there's all different kind of stuff they could do with that giant lot they have and let people yeah. let people do it from their car via little transmitters. Um, yeah. there's, there's a million different interesting and cool things that this church could do, and they could be on the news for a completely different reason. But they've chosen yeah, not to do that. And I, I just has to be because there's going to be this my freedom grift like coming. It's got to be coming. Yeah. Cause it's, again, it's not about, it's not, it can't be about Jesus. It's about, it's about Benjamin. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, there, the churches have been on, have made the news, uh, doing services and drive through or drive in movies. So um, cool. Texas, right. Yeah. How cool is that? Right. It's already set up perfectly for it. Right. Just have the, get the pastor on the radio and go. Um, so yeah, just, if it was really about the worshiping, they would just find a way to be more creative and not have racked up a million dollars in fines and they were, wouldn't be trying to get on the news and wouldn't be suing in court. Or, or maybe they'd be trying to get on the news, but for like a good story, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or the, or the news would find them for a good story. One of the parishioners would say, hey, you guys should cover this. This is really cool what my church is doing. Um, but that's not what this is. This is just a bunch of white bros and gals, you know, want, uh, wanting to fully embrace their privilege and this guy's just grifting all of them. I feel for the parishioners a little bit, but not too much, because this guy's so he's so obviously a, sh- uh, a sham. Like I can't believe these people truly follow this guy. I mean, they're the ones who's going to be hitting up for money first, right? And probably already has, right? Um, he said, "Support us, give us more." You know, this is our fight. We, you know, you need to be in the fight with us. We all need skin in the game. Please, the basket is going around. <laughs> be generous. Well, time anyway, to move down well, ballot, unfortunately down ballot watch where we take a look at um stories that are happening uh in our local sphere in the political uh realm and it looks as though this seems to happen every week now but some folks got themselves arrested for protesting outside the mayor's house um the mayor has been docked so many times that i don't know if there's anyone who doesn't know where he lives but um that's what you get for living in in the community instead of at a, a castle on the hill um so uh, this is downtown 15th Street, and it looks like some folks were some black some BLM protesters were causing a ruckus, and so they got themselves arrested. 11 tonight, several people under arrest tonight following a Black Lives Matter protest near San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo's home. The group coming face to face with a line of officers in the middle of the street. The protest declared unlawful assembly just after eight tonight, but some of the demonstrators refused to leave the area. Police say some of the protesters also pointed a laser at a police helicopter, which, by the way, is a felony. No word yet on how many arrests were made. BT dubs, don't be pointing them lasers at the police helicopters. 
like a, I don't know. It seems like a, almost like a non-story. Yeah, I I didn't know what's. I, I only put it on because I wanted to keep an eye on it because I don't know what the hell that was all about. I didn't, didn't know there was some reason for BLM to be out in the streets this week, but so I might have missed the memo. Um, but it's, yeah, it seems like the mayor's house has been a uh, a hotbed of activity. It was graf uh, graffitiized, um, tagged as the kids call it, uh, not too long ago, um, and there have been a number of protests. Uh, protest marches past his home so not that i you know you're a public figure you're the mayor you should probably expect a bit a bit of this right in any kind of public life um but you know i i don't know and i don't necessarily know where that line is um we don't as public we, we pay for city hall right we don't pay for his house right he's it's his private residence he has a, a wife um no kids but he could you know could very well have kids at his age um, so do we have the right to, you know, obviously they call it unlawful assembly, but is it, is it really appropriate for us to be taking the fight there as opposed to the institutions of government and the, the, the house of government as opposed to the house of the person who just happens to be the mayor right now? Yeah. Do you I don't take, I, you have any opinion on that. Yeah. I don't know enough about this. I don't know what the, what the, what the protest was about. Um, yeah. There were some live streams chats saying that the the police seem to have like made some made some shit up here because the the, the live stream and we're just taking the word of somebody in chat, but usually our chat's pretty sure. trustworthy. They were watching some lives of it and apparently like not a whole lot was going on. It didn't seem like a whole lot was going on for this this time at least, right? I think that um, right now Sam and and the police are just probably triggered at this point and that like I mean look at what how they came out too. Like there how many protesters did it look like? What, ten, fifteen? a dozen and the police come out in like full fucking riot gear like are you serious <laughs> after all all this after all this um they still haven't figured it out just it's just an overreaction right there could be like one hippie kid playing bongos outside the mayor's house and they'd probably send the fucking SWAT team so it, it's I, I i don't get i do not get that the you know the, there's a lot of talk about the sjpd being progressive and whatever and woke they are not like they don't get it they just don't get it. Um, and this is another example. This shouldn't even have been a story. Like, why is this even on the news? I think that's probably why I put it on, the, the main reason I put it on. It's like, why is this even here? Like, what's going on? Why is this an issue? But don't point lasers at a fucking aircraft. We've been yeah, talking shit on chemtrail people for doing that for years. Yeah, you're giving the whole movement a bad bad rap, um, and you're not helping anything by endangering people's lives and committing felonies. So please right, don't if that, do that helicopter crashes, it's going to crash on somebody's house or an office building or some Correct. shit, right? Correct. Or your house if you if it's in your hood, right? So please don't do that. Um, be smarter than that. Um, protest. Raise your fists. Raise your voices. Be heard. Don't hurt anyone else. That's that's pretty much the, you know easy, simple as we can make it. The golden rule. Do one to others. All right, so sticking down ballot, um, we've got another interesting little uh, tidbit from the South Bay region. Um, so uh, it's actually a connection to the um, inauguration. It's kind of a happy story. So this week, um, we were, uh, hopefully a lot of us were excited to inaugurate our 46th president, not Donald Trump, um, and his vice president, not Mike Pence. Um, although, you know, very well done, America. Thank you. Um, so, uh, one aspect of the uh, transition, which I'm sure and I hope the, to God that the president doesn't spend too much time thinking about himself or herself, but is the decoration of the White House and uh, the various paintings and portraits and sculptures and artwork 
that can be displayed uh, in the White in and around the White House, and especially in the Oval Office, which is obviously the the top seat of our government. It's one of our most revered and sacred places. So the look and feel and the accoutrement of that office um, can be used to reflect, you know, the president's values and the values of the country at the time. So there was a uh, obviously in, in all the hubbub and pomp and circumstance around the inauguration this week. There, um, it was noticed that a uh, President Biden had very, quite deliberately included a certain piece of um, artwork in his office that uh, spoke to some of the values that um, he hopes to profess, and it has a local connection here to, to San Jose, so that's why this made it on down ballot. This is where Cesar Chavez began his organizing in the San Jose community of Sal Si Puedes, get out if you can, because the roads were so bad. Well, Cesar got out all right, and now he finds himself in the Oval Office. The old Cesar Chavez home is still standing on Sharp Avenue, a plaque marking the spot now considered a San Jose historic landmark. This is a reminder of Chavez's message today, his bust now in the center of the most revered office in the world. I was very excited, very proud. The Chavez family says they got a call from the White House on Tuesday asking if they could borrow the bust that was displayed at the Chavez Museum in Kern County. By the next day, the bust was boxed and delivered, and it wasn't until the family saw the news that they realized where it would now be displayed. It signals that there's a new day, there's a new dawn. You know, for the last four years, we've lived, uh, our community and, and a lot of folks in this country have lived, uh, you know, a nightmare. Chavez advocated nonviolent action to fight for the rights of farm workers. I remember my grandfather saying that the sad irony is that sometimes the people that are working so hard to get us food and to help us nourish ourselves and our families sometimes don't have enough food for themselves and their families. Caesar's son remembers now President Biden once telling him that Chavez both inspired and motivated him. The bus there reminds us of the contributions and the importance of, of our community uh, uh, to this nation. And so, uh, you know, we're excited about, the, about what it means. It validates that that we are an important part of, uh, of this country. The symbolism will be there for the world to see, from kings and queens to prime ministers and presidents. They might even ask about Cesar Chavez and his legacy of giving a voice to those we all too often overlook. Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. So one of the things I want to, uh, we were going to endeavor to do around here is to uh, hold Mr. Biden's feet to the fire when he does bad shit and, uh, acknowledge when he does good shit and i feel like symbolically at least that's uh some good shit because caesar chavez was a labor organizer for people that other labor organizers at the time didn't want nothing to do with right um bobby kennedy did and that's unfortunately one of the reasons why he got got himself killed um yeah no uh so caesar chavez is a san jose legend i should also point out it would be remiss if i didn't point out that um his movement with the united farm workers was also um uh, heavily influenced by and organized by and led by um, Larry Leong and Filipino American farm workers as well. So it was a, it was a, a massive movement for civil rights and for workers' rights um, that that spawned uh, from Cesar and other others' work. So yeah, this is um, this is a really uh, if it's 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 a symbol. That's all it is, right? At this point, um, but it does signify quite a bit. Like you don't put that into the visual that you're going to see every time Joe Biden goes on 
you know, national TV to make a statement right from the Oval Office, you're going to see that bus in the beginning. You're going to see his wife and his kids and his 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 um, his late wife and pictures in the background, and you're going to see that bust. And you're and if you don't know who it is, you're going to find out and you're going to learn more. And it's going to it's going to raise, I think, awareness on a lot of levels of um, the Latinx community and their their rise in our country's prom, uh, prominence. Um, and then, of course, the labor movement and workers' rights. Um, and uh, and really the issue of immigration being a really key one um, in the next few years and who, you know, how we define American, right? And and are we going to um, use the narrow definition of the Trump era or are we going to uh, be more expansive, which is really the ideal of America? So yeah, I, this is kind of a nice, a nice uplifting story. I know we, uh, a lot of the stuff we cover here can be a little bit rough around the edges, but I'm really happy to be able to highlight something um, good. But we got to hold, like you said, we got to hold feet to the fire. Like you can't just put a statue out and 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 like uh, we said about Sam LaCarta, you can't just go out and kneel, you know, during the protest and think that everything's going to be okay, right? If you're still licking the boots. You're still licking the boots. So let's make sure that Mr. Biden and Ms. Harris follow through on all the promises they made to all the people they made them to in order to get elected. And they had to make quite a few. <laughs> so there's going to be a shit ton of uh, black people out there, Latinx people, LGBTQ. Um, you name it, who should be um, holding their feet to the fire um, because a lot of promises were made to them specifically about what, you know, actually getting shit done for them rather than just talking about it every four years. So let's do it. And as Scrappy said in the chat, even if they do follow through, then it's time to ask for more. Absolutely, because it's a more perfect union, right? It's constantly working towards it. It's never, it never ends because you're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. So we've just got to, we're constantly trying to fix fix the shit. <laughs> and sometimes we make more shit that we have to fix. Um, and that's just life. That's good. That's governing. So welcome to democracy, folks. It'd be easier if it was a dictatorship, frankly. You know, for us, it would suck, but it'd be a lot easier. <laughs> At least a lot easier for the dictator. Yeah, very much so, right? <laughs> and it would be very simple for us. It's like, shit, life's fucked. Well, I got to go out and fucking whatever, crush rocks for two cents today. Otherwise, my family's not going to be fed. But that's the way it is. And I don't get a vote in changing it. So I'll just, that's that's how it is. Um, whereas it's with us, it's like we're fretting all the time. Like, oh my God, I have all these options and choices and privilege and things I could do with my life and freedoms. Um, fuck, sometimes I wish it was simple as just like go out and break rocks. Um, so to come on these silly podcasts with you. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, sir. All right. We're going to go, uh, we're going to wrap things up here with another thing. Um, and I, I threw a few things in there, but um, the top, I think the, the, the one you got here is probably the um, most ideal. So uh, is this the one about RBG? Yep. Yeah. So um, everyone uh, recalls late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. Well, someone here in San Jose and some folks here in San Jose decided they were going to remember her in um, a more prominent way, if not permanent. Um taking up taking up the uh, the fad around murals in san jose so now if you if you do have a chance to go through downtown san jose on your way to city hall down santa clara street you're going to see quite intimidating woman staring back at you and it's not anusha rasta although that top is fabulous by the way she's looking good let's try this again cool if you're driving or walking through downtown San Jose, make sure you look up. Yeah, you might see a very familiar face looking down. RBG living on in the form of art. Take a look at this massive mural on the side of a building of the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. It's on a building on Santa Clara Street. 
near market. You get close to it, you can't miss it. The portrait is from an artist named Chuba Oyolu. Super quick. Fabulous. That was a nice quick story, too. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, this is a great example of public art, but in a private space, right? So it's it's publicly facing, but it's all done privately. So you don't no need to, you know, they didn't have to worry about the permits or going through the public vetting process or getting a, you know, going through a, a charrette of artists, as they say. They wanted to do it, and they fucking did it. And that's fabulous. Um, and we're, I think we're, we're seeing more of that in and around San Jose. Um, people just recognizing that the public realm is a space to be used um, to spark dialogue and to, to have some fun and to celebrate our humanity. So kudos to them. Um, hopefully, and hopefully they won't get asked to take it down like that piece at the airport that we talked about not too long ago. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <clears throat> it looked like, a cool, it looked like a cool piece of artwork too. No, absolutely. It was a great, great piece. Um, very uh, eye-catching, very, very um, eye-popping. So I'll definitely, I need to go down there. I haven't been downtown in a couple of days. I need to go check that out. All right. Um, and then this was just a random one I found. It's not necessarily local. It was just on local news. But I thought this was very interesting and thought people, as a public service announcement, people might want to know about these new jeans. Jeans may be the future to keeping motorcyclists a bit safer. These pants are airbag jeans and have concealed airbags inside the legs. Riders tether them to their bikes, and should they fall, the airbags are triggered. Unlike the airbags in cars, these can be deflated and reused multiple times. The inventor of the airbag jeans is hoping to bring them to market next year. I wonder if that was Elon Musk. Yeah, I know. We're going to find it some fucking dirt bag, right? So make sure you get yourself your airbag jeans um, if you want to stay really safe, right? You might even get them now for the pandemic. They might keep, if you inflate them, maybe they'll keep people a safe distance away from you. <laughs> and not just because they're physically distancing people, these people might think you're a fucking freak. Um, so <laughs> so watch out out there. Um, so wear your airbag jeans or wear your yoga pants or wear your pajamas. It's, you know, do your do you right now. Like take advantage of this opportunity, folks. I can't I can't stress this enough. This is never going to happen again in your, I hope, in our lifetimes. So please, for the love of God, have fun with it. Um, you know, be safe, be, you know, wash your hands, wear your mask, but enjoy yourselves and take advantage of the fact that we can all work in our underpants for the most part, if we're lucky enough to still have jobs. Yep. <clears throat> and I guess, right. uh, I guess before we get out of here, I have a, an announcement of a hyper local sort. Well, it's not a, it's not a good one. Um, no. I was named in a 538 article today, which is nice. I, I saw this on, on the Twitter. Um, but the article was highly critical of Facebook and because my name was in the article and I said in the article that I use fake accounts to monitor extremism on Facebook, Facebook, they probably searched my name and deleted my account. Oh, rough. Which one? <laughs> like the, no, the one with my government name on it. Oh, geez. I'm so sorry to hear that. Are you gonna have a Are you gonna have a seance or a, a funeral for the the account? No. Just oh, I guess people who had no other way to get a hold of me and wouldn't follow me to Discord are never gonna be able to DM me in again. Uh, Zuck. So, so yeah. sensitive. Yeah, I, that's like the hyper localist story ever. Um, you know, I was a little hesitant to go on the record with my real name, not because I thought of uh, ret- retaliation from Facebook, but I thought that maybe people who hold the beliefs Others. that I oppose might find that information useful, right? Others. Yes. But then I, I, I thought about Others. it and I'm like, ah, you know what? If I'm going to put my name on anything, this is an okay thing to put my name on. 
Well, we were both uh, the good wife and I were very excited to see to see the post um, and the story. Um, we we're very glad to see you're getting uh, uh, getting your due as a, a great resource and and source for these things um, for this this type of uh, of news. So hopefully, this is the first of many appearances, and so it will not um, your Facebook account will not have died in vain. Um, but it died an honorable death, regardless. Um, and yeah. I hope that you're I hope that you're still able to have a uh, all the presence that you want on Facebook through your many alter egos and bots, which um, hopefully Zuckerberg will never discover. Yeah, I'm just really glad uh, that the organization itself didn't get name checked because it would be really garbage if that page was gone. We don't have a huge yeah. following on there, but there's a few fucking cool ass people who always get into great discussions under the things we post. And like, yeah, you know, so. We're um, we have a lovely network out there. We and I love all the folks in the chats tonight. Thank you. I've been responding myself, but thank you so much from reading Scrappy's posts um, in sixteen tones. Thank you all. Good to see you guys. Good. Thank you. Thanks to all the the viewer who are watching us. Yeah, and I guess before we get out of here, I'll thank. Uh, we had a bike shop guru just followed us a minute ago. A ninja gifted a subscription to Scrappy in the chat. Carpet packs mm. resubbed us for a year of subscription. That's a year of giving us money for I don't know what. And then we also got a one man reverend also subscribed during the show. Great. One V one master sellout also followed us during the show and just kind of thanks to everybody. Thank and thanks to the community and uh, thanks to everybody who did follow us over here from Facebook and whatnot, because uh, I think we're going to, without me being able to use Facebook on my real name and stuff, I think like we're going to probably just be using that platform less and less and less because it's just less useful. And, um, and that's that. So, yeah, thanks everybody, and everybody we were able to j drag kicking and screaming over to our Discord and over here to Twitch. Thanks a lot, uh, especially Ninja. Ninja was one of our Facebook friends, and uh, now he's over here. Uh, and like and they named a, a they named a platform after him. So <laughs> yeah, very good. So that's it, everybody. Um, not not going to spend too much time talking about that in the after in the after show. In fact, I'll spend no time talking about it in the after show. If you're listening to the podcast version of this and you don't know what I'm talking about, the after show is what it sounds like. We uh. I stay live. Uh, sometimes maybe Juan Maserati or the Media Wench or HK Perrin or Historian Matt or somebody will join me for the after show for a little bit, and we just kind of go over whatever. We don't kind of we don't keep it local. We take uh, stuff from the chat and just it's a little a little less formalized, I guess, or whatever. Spend a little more time interacting with the chat, fucking building my building my cult of personality. Uh, also, we're twenty five followers away from two thousand on Twitch, so I it, it might be a long night. I might just be like I might just be like call your mom and have her follow me so I can go to bed. <laughs> you're practically a thought leader producer dave no that's 2008 shit but i i'm glad every <laughs> one of them i'm glad every one of you does follow us and participate in this also yes, just thank you thank you all just uh the reporter's name from uh 538 is kaylee and i had a great conversation with her and i um you know we've our email conversation has continued after today's events and she seems great and uh i do hope to correspond with them more and um might be some big news coming up soon actually but it might be might be a mixed bag of news coming soon. So, um, all right. Anyway, to here. Yeah, we're gonna get out of here. Thanks everybody for listening to Down Ballot. Uh, we hope that if you don't live in the San Jose or the Bay Area, that this show you kind of find this entertaining and you spend a little more time checking out your local news. As a result, that'd be great. Uh, if you're out there and you want to make another podcast called Down Ballot, just email me and I don't give a fuck. You can call it down. You can call it Down Ballot Dallas or whatever you want to do. I wouldn't even be mad. I'm and, totally down. The brand. Let's spread the brand far and, and wide. And next week, speaking of out of town, is going to be the last uh, Friday of the month. And uh, over the election, we weren't, we didn't do it. I think we skipped two months of going out of town. But we're we're going to do, do some a... out of town down ballot. And nice. I feel like 
I feel like due to recent events, I feel like doing DC would be a shit show. So we'll save DC kind of that DC Baltimore, Northern Virginia metro area, maybe for February. But um, we'll figure something out. Maybe even just do LA Metro. Might be fun. Mm. There's there's always shit happening in LA. So, all right. Well, um, do you think we could hear some Kenny Thomas on the way out tonight? Would that be cool? A little chocolate? Is that you got to be kidding me? That's like literally what I have queued up. Nice. And I'm not even screen sharing the mix with you, producer Dave. We've just been doing this for so long. We're you know we're getting a little simpatico. But, yeah, and yeah, I think that, we're. I think the, the I think the the community is going to start bugging you a little bit more to come on some other stuff. Maybe maybe. maybe 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 you and the good wife can pop by tomorrow for the open panel, some between eight and ten, and say hi. Even if you yeah, can't stay I have, long, I would I would love to do more. And I should I should actually be on more, so I will make a point to do that. Uh, well, even if it's you know even if it's only ten or fifteen minutes tomorrow night, everybody would like to. Yeah. It's just the homies on the 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 non Saturday hey. Saturday nights. So if yeah. you want if you guys want to pop in and say hi, even if it's just you know for a little while before you uh, before you curl up in front of the TV or whatever, we'd love to have you pop in. It's I shared you on the Google Doc. It's just the, the the set of links above for local love, the open panel. So we'd love Sweet. to see you tomorrow night and uh, bark at us a little bit if if you or I would love to have the good wife back on the Sunday show. She is spicy Woof. as fuck. Woof. So, no, yeah, she'll, uh, we'll we'll get her on uh, soon. I think she's definitely feeling pretty feisty these days, and for a variety of reasons, she can't smoke weed for a little while, so she's going to be extra spicy. Oh, great. Well, this is Kenny Thomas in the Southern Baptist. This song is called Chocolate, and uh, I'll be back with the post-game of this show. Thanks for joining me, Councilman.